0: This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 204. Today, our special guest is Corey Jinks. Corey is a pharmacist and an improv comedian. Do you think we had a few laughs? Tune in and find out. It is Michelle and Tracy, and welcome to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Another fun and exciting
1: interview. Yes. <laughs> we meet the greatest people, don't we? We do. That's one of the best parts of doing this, as you get to meet a lot of different people, and um, it, it's really, it's really quite fun. Yeah. We had a
0: great guest today. A lot of A lot of fun, learned some new things, and um, we can't wait for you all to meet him. He's a pharmacist
1: and uh, improv comedian. What a great combo. Yeah. Yeah. Corey's awesome. He taught us a lot. And we saw a lot of um, similarities and synergies between... What we talk about when it comes to polarity intelligence and what he does in his improv comedy and, and how he brings that to healthcare. And so it was really a very delightful conversation. What a really nice guy.
0: Yeah, it really, really
1: fun was. Fun to be with. Fun to be with. So let me tell you a little bit about Corey Jinks. He earned his doctor of pharmacy degree from the University of South Carolina in 2011. And since then, he's practiced as a retail pharmacist, an outpatient clinical pharmacist, and an inpatient clinical pharmacist. His current practice is as an ambulatory care clinical pharmacy specialist, where he applies his passion for lifestyle interventions in the management of chronic disease. In addition to his career as a pharmacist, Corey is also an accomplished improv comedian, having started on his comedy journey in 2013. Since then, Corey's coach taught and performed improv for thousands of people, and today Corey travels around the country speaking and teaching other healthcare professionals how to apply the valuable skills of improv comedy to create a more adaptable, empathetic, and humanizing healthcare experience. So, without further ado, here is Corey Jenks. Well, welcome
0: Corey to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. We are so excited to welcome you to our show today.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It's a it's a pleasure, it's an honor, and I always love sharing my little weird niche of healthcare. Uh, with anyone who will listen. And you are more than anyone, you are an amazing podcast. So I'm excited to be a part of it. <laughs> uh,
1: well, we're really happy to have you here. Yeah, should be fun. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well,
0: we're excited to have you as our guest, Corey, because we have never had an improv comedian on our show before. So let's just start out by you telling our listeners what got you, a pharmacist, interested in improv comedy?
2: Well, I would say my interest started in college. We went to, I was a freshman at the University of South Carolina. We were, you know, go explore all the cool clubs and things. We went out and we had a roommate or a, someone in our dorm who was in the improv club and went to a show. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. And i had always enjoyed, I'd always enjoyed comedy. I love Saturday Night Live. I love The Simpsons. Back when you had to like watch a show and it was actually on, you couldn't just binge it. You know, you had that, that shared <laughs> experience on a Monday morning with your friends, kind of recounting it and quoting it. So I always had this little itch of comedy. And I went to this improv show. I was like, this is amazing. So naturally, I ignored that itch for six years because I focused on my studies because I was a studio student. And looking back, that was silly, but here I am. Uh, but I finished <laughs> pharmacy school, finished my residency. I had this amazing thing, uh, free time, which I hadn't had in seven years. And so my uh, wife, then girlfriend, I had a, my, the first birthday, she had to buy me something was coming up. And she was in nurse practitioner school, so she was super busy. She's like, what would you like? I said, well... I've always wanted to either try guitar lessons or an improv class. And we are not talking about guitar's connection to healthcare today. So obviously I chose improv and I just basically took it from a beginning class to another class. And at the time, the theater that had opened up here in Tucson, Tucson improv movement uh, was so new that they're like, well, you have a pulse and you've been through classes. You want to be, you want to perform? I'm like, sure. I got nothing else to do. My wife's busy. So um, uh, I just kind of snowballed in a good way from there. And I ended up performing a ton, teaching, coaching, running our comedy school. Um, and so that's damn, now 10 years last month. I, as we record this in February, I just celebrated my 10-year improv anniversary. Started back in January of 2013. And uh, as I said, since then, taught, coached, performed, run a comedy school, uh, written a book, and, and uh, now, I, now I teach it to healthcare. So that's the very, very nutshell version.
0: Oh, I love oh, wow. that. I love that. I actually took improv, an improv class. Um, it, I took one class and I did it for speaking because we do a lot of speaking and it was recommended by someone and it was a lot of fun. And you get to know the group you're with and you learn new techniques. And I didn't take it as far mm-hmm. as you, Corey, but I, I, um, it really, it really can give you a, a lot of different ideas and give you some comfort with some skills when you are in different group dynamics. So that's awesome.
2: Yeah, not everyone has to take it as far as, yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think humanity would benefit from a first level improv class. Um, and I, I've seen that. I've seen people with, <laughs> who do it for, the, for public speaking, who, I, we've had people mm-hmm. who are afraid to get on stage who now teach classes. So it's amazing the transformation that you can get when you, yeah. when you apply these skills and do it in a you know, safe, fun, supportive environment. Like you say, with the people who are in it for, for very similar reasons as you, as you are likely going to be as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's a key statement there, a fun. Trusting, right, safe environment. So you gotta, you gotta trust the people you're with, right? And uh, I think that's a big part of that too. So, but obviously, it tapped into something in you, something innate in you, a desire, and that's so cool when you just kind of happen into those things, right? And what what a great outcome from that. Now we're big believers in interprofessional team care, and we like to say we were doing interprofessional team care before it was cool, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> before anybody even knew what the word interprofessional Meant actually. Uh, and in your book, uh, Permission to Care Building a Healthcare Culture That Thrives in Chaos, you share how improv taught you so much because it's the ultimate team sport. So let's talk a little bit about how improv helped you in improving interprofessional collaboration with your colleagues. Now, I'm a respiratory therapist. Michelle's a nurse and you're a pharmacist, so we got the interprofessional thing happening right here today.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think there's a few yeah. few parts of improvisation that help me build that interprofessional muscle as a pharmacist. I think the first thing you learn with with improvisation is like people I say I do improv and they're like, well, I have a great joke for yours, your your stand up. And I'm like, well, it's not one person with a microphone and a spotlight telling jokes. You are. You know, it's anywhere from a duo to a group of seven or eight people that are trying to work together for this common goal of of making people laugh and having a good time. And we call that group mind. When your team is firing on all cylinders, you're doing that. And I think with as you experience with an improv class, you get people from all walks of life who are doing this. And I I promise you, it's not all pharmacists doing improv with me. We've, you know, I, I just as an example, I have an improvised rapping team I was a part of for years that. Uh, my wife was a part of it. So another healthcare professional nurse practitioner, but we had a retired police officer, someone who worked at a local garden, someone who worked at a residence life. We had a 17-year-old high school student on the team. The ages range from 7, 17 to like 60. So you get to I got comfortable working with people from a diverse set of backgrounds, which is what healthcare is. We're, we're all kind to come from different backgrounds. That idea of group mind, so putting the goal of the team first, healthcare. The goal, it seems obvious, it doesn't always end up being that, that the goal is taking care of that patient, or if you're a leader, Mm. creating a great environment for your team members to take care of that patient. But I think one of the biggest things that helped me uh, with that interprofessional side of things is that improv really chops down your ego. Uh, You are in there in the service of the scene, of the comedy, of the team. And sometimes that means you get the great big punchline, and sometimes that means you are the setup for that punchline for somebody else. And for me, it was it was just great practice in putting that ego aside and doing what the team needed in that moment to quote win, which was take, you know, make people laugh. And in healthcare for me, this this helped me realize that as much as I want to make pharmacists be the heroes of the day, like I don't care if it's a pharmacist, a nurse, a respiratory therapist, a dietitian, social worker, like all of these people who have that I've worked with that have been the hero for that patient in that scenario. So I, I think healthcare has a lot of ego because people are very smart, they work hard, and they, they deservedly have a lot of expertise. However, sometimes that ego can really get in the way of serving the the, the greater purpose of that team.
1: Oh so true. That is so, so true. true. Yes. Yeah. And it, it really is about that mm-hmm. shared purpose, right? Mm-hmm. To to serve the patient regardless of who stands at the forefront at whatever given time. Right. Sometimes it is the pharmacist, sometimes it is the nurse, right? It just depends on what yeah. the needs are. Yeah. You so think of like an ER that the,
2: yeah, the hero could be the janitor that gets that next room clean because you have a line out the door, right? Like this whole this whole operation exactly. runs to a halt if you don't have everyone working together. Now I wouldn't want a janitor doing a brain surgery and a brain surgeon probably wouldn't want to be cleaning the room. Uh, but the point is that it, it, it really does take that whole team effort to to, to have that outcome and, and to help things run smoothly.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, we when we were reading your book, we saw some similarities um, and synergies between the principles of improv and what we teach healthcare leaders around polarity intelligence. And there's a uh, three different elements to polarity intelligence, and the first is a polarity mindset. And um, but before I talk a little bit about the the synergy, why don't you talk a little bit about yes and uh, when it comes to improv?
2: Sure. Yeah. If you've read my book, you probably saw Yes, And about a million times written, uh, repeated, uh, because it's (laughs) the most important tentative improvisation. And, And what I tell people is, if you leave this podcast learning nothing about improv, but two words, it's the easiest pop quiz you'll ever get. It's two words, it's Yes, And. And so Yes, And is the basis of improv comedy. And Essentially, Yes, And means that in an improv scene, we have to say yes to whatever happens, and then we add to it. So in essence, it's agree and build together in the moment. So, for example, if if I was doing a scene and I said we're on the moon, and you told me no, we're not on the moon, we're in a bounce house. Well, you've negated my reality. I've, I've had to we'll have to rebuild that scene, explain why I thought we were on the moon. But if I say we're on the moon and you say yes, and we only have thirty seconds of oxygen left, well, we've agreed to that reality. We've pushed that scene forward, and so the yes and mindset is one is where we. I mean, healthcare, obviously we literally can't say yes to literally everything. Like I'm a pharmacist. I can't just take a napkin with a per- prescription for a thousand Percocet, right? That would be yes. And here's my license. You can have it because I would be losing it. Right. But sometimes yeah, that right? yes can mean listening, being willing to listen, being curious, saying, yes, I hear that. You know, that they're trying to tell you something if you're giving getting a prescription written on a napkin. All right. So well, I can't give you that thing. Literally, I am going to listen to what you're trying to tell me. And so I think healthcare. A lot of our default answer is no. Whereas if we were willing to at least put that yes forward, that that kind of cold, frustrating world of healthcare, especially you know from a leader perspective, building a culture where I've had leaders who they couldn't tell me yes to my request in the moment, but they at least didn't they didn't just say no, we can't do that. They said yes, I think you would. I think teleworking would be great. And right now, I don't think we could get it approved. Um, And that's a literal example that happened to me. Um, but Mm -hmm. eventually they, I knew that they were willing to listen and go to bat for me when the time was right. And it worked out, you know, fantastic when that, when it needed to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I and in in polarity mindset we talk about the both and, right? Rather than the yes and it's the both and. But I think we're getting at the same place, right? We're getting to the same place. There's multiple perspectives or ways to look at things. And I think, you know, just acknowledging somebody's perspective or point of view is the first step, right? That's the yes. Yeah. And it's not saying yes to everything you want, right? But it's mm-hmm. saying, yes, I'm hearing you. I see you. I see what you're saying. And there's, it establishes kind of that common ground. Um, and, right? Or, yes, and, or both. It's both and, right? It's not either or. It's not mm-hmm. my way or my perspective or your perspective. It can be both of our perspectives. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, kind of one of the biggest things to create that common ground. It's just said acknowledging. Yeah. There's lots of ways to look at things or see things, um, yeah. you know, in, in improv or in healthcare. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I've had a, a, a pharmacist friend who took, who, who took a few levels of improv classes and she for all my writing, for all my speaking, she put it so much better than I had had even put it. She said, "You know, when you do improv well, you feel seen, heard, and understood. And isn't that just what we want in life in healthcare from a doctor, from a leader? Just feel seen, heard, and understood. Even if we can't get the thing we want, uh, to have at least been listened to is is so crucial. And it again, I never, I will never say I am the best pharmacist, but I was, I was at the part with my kids today, telling someone what I do, uh, both the pharmacist and the in the comedy side." And I said, well, I'm not the best pharmacist, maybe, but I can listen. I can always listen. And that's something that patients really appreciate. And I think that as someone who's had some awesome leaders, I always appreciated feeling listened to, even when they couldn't give me the thing that I wanted.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of listening, I think that was the second most common word in your book, and that and that really that really jumped out to Tracy and I. And you said in your book uh, that listening is putting the tools of improv into practice forces you to listen better. So, I'd kind of tell our listeners, because they're listening, <laughs> what uh, what's so special about listening when it comes to improv? Why is it so important?
2: Well, people say, when I tell people that I do improv, they tell me, well, I could never do that because I'm not funny. And I tell them, I am living proof you need not be funny to be a successful improviser because improv is, because c- th- there's this assumption that you're on stage and you're thinking of all these really funny things you're thinking. We're, we're healthcare professionals. We like to think, we like to use our big, smart brains to think of solutions to problems. But in, in reality, I think that the listening is is important in improv because you are just literally Listening and responding to everything that's happening—a great improv scene lives in the moment because it is just a listen response. So, for folks who are in healthcare, for the great improvisers are people who are smart, who can listen. It's not the funniest because the funniest people are, are thinking of a funny thing and they're going to miss what's happening in the scene. They'll say something that has zero relevance to what has just happened because their head has been offstage thinking of something else. So that's why my listening is so crucial because you got to you got to make every detail. You got to listen to whatever is said and make that sacred and then respond to it. Um, there's a great quote by the, the actor and comedian, Rob Riggle, and he just basically says, listening is the, is, is the key to success in improv because everything that you need is right in front of you as long as you are able to listen and then respond to it. And then, you know, the parallel of that to healthcare, like the answers we seek to our problems, whether it's with a patient, with an employee, with a leader is, yes, we need to think and use our brains. But if you are like just in the moment, really paying attention to what they are saying or doing, then you are going to be able to find that solution much more effectively.
1: That's a great point.
0: Yeah, that is a great point. So one of the components of polarity intelligence is meaningful dialogue. And one of the principles is actively listen and being aware. And basically, it's very similar to what you just said, Corey. It's listening to others, not to analyze, prove, compete, judge, rescue, fix, or blame. So you're not filling your head and what you're going to respond with. Before the other person's even done talking, and that really creates that safe environment um, so there there is a lot of connection between listening in improv and listening in a healthy work culture and having that polarity mm-hmm. intelligence as well
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree, and I really like that that idea of you know listening without judgment. you know I think that when a successful improv scene happens, we take it to like its most absurd level, comedy is just really finding the the Disconnect between the you know heightening absurd realities that we face, and so yeah. I actually kind of try to teach and, and practice this idea of reverse engineering a rational response. Where in an improv scene, if you told me something relatively innocuous, I would just go crazy. You know, we, we think of the four main emotions mad, glad, sad, or afraid. Like, you could just take it like I, I bought apples, it's like, oh my gosh, my boy ex boyfriend loved apples, how could you buy those, right? Well, in the reverse of that, not in an improv scene, what we're trying to do in healthcare is sit with that patient and where our instinct might be to like rush to judgment is just sit there like a, like a basketball, like a triple threat position, neutral, waiting to see everything they tell us, see what their body language tells us so that we can pick that appropriate response. And I know that sounds like weird coming from an improviser where our whole idea is to go absurd, but I'm, a, I'm still a pharmacist. So this is how I use it in sort of a reverse way. And I love that, that, that idea of that, that non-judgmental listening.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, and I, you know, I think it's, uh, we do that with our peers as well. Right. And just really trying to be present and catch what it is they're bringing to us, catch what they're trying to say to us. Right. So that we can take that to the next, level, take it to an, a, a different level. And I think meaningful dialogue is all about uncovering our wisdom right? And our mm-hmm. collective understanding, our collective knowledge. And it's kind of the same thing to me in improv, right? Somebody starts, mm-hmm. it's like putting logs on a fire. <laughs> Somebody starts and you just keep building and building. And then there's this collective humor, right? That starts to to mm-hmm. build and you start to have this deeper, different experience than you would if it was just one person, right? Yeah. hmm
2: yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that 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 building yeah. of that 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 sync that uh, synchronizing and that that uh uh-huh. that sharing of energy again and and building a, something greater than yeah. the sum of the parts.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, another element in polarity intelligence is healthy relationships. And in your book, you talk about group mind. And you mentioned it just a little bit earlier, um, just kind of briefly. But if you could talk a little bit more about the bond and find a shared purpose and how it relates to that group mind, if you could just talk a little bit about that, that'd be great.
2: Yeah, I think that this is what, you know, finding that shared purpose is so important for, for any group or organization now on an improv stage. It can be, you know, at a basic level, we want to make people laugh. But from there, we have different formats of improv. And like I said, I was on an improvised rapping team. I've done ones where we basically run the format of a sitcom, or we have people tell stories, and then we use those stories to inspire our improv. And if you're going to do something that complex, not only do you have to have the shared purpose of like a group mind of like a goal, but I think you do have to have that ability to to really trust each other, to live in the moment. And you get to a point where if you work and and trust an organization or a group enough, you sort of anticipate whether another person is going to do, or you know what someone else will, will thrive in, or and where that, what that group or that person will thrive. Like, I know that I have someone that I perform with that does great, great Russian accents. So any chance I have to put them into Russia, I do that, right? Because that's a place where they're going to really thrive. Or I know there's someone that hates doing accents. But they really trust me, so every chance I get, I'm going to put her into a place where she has to do an accent, and I just get to watch the like, the fun discomfort on on, a, on her face. Now, someone else who hasn't <laughs> performed with her for as long probably couldn't get away with that. But when you have that that close rapport, so the group mind's a goal thing, but it's also that sort of unspoken bond that I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to articulate in the words. It's, it's that kind of like unspoken trust and connection that you have with people as a group, and I think that. Personally, I've worked, you know, beyond the improv stage, I've worked in those healthcare groups with like, I've had, you know, small work groups I work with where it's just like, you are in sync, you have each other's back, you, you you know what their strengths are. So you pick up their slack, they do the things you don't like. And and it just, it just flows. I think flow is a great way of putting that. Like when you have great group mind, Mm -hmm. things just flow, you're not thinking, you are in the moment doing reacting and responding.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so true. And one of the principles in um, healthy relationships is establishing that shared purpose, right? So it's the Mm -hmm. relationship centering around coming together for a common purpose, a common goal. And, you know, everybody bringing their strengths, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody is Mm -hmm. focused on that. And to your Mm -hmm. point, you know, we pick up where each other leaves off, we cover each other and we build on each other, right? And we put people in situations so that they can make their best contribution, whatever that might be, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and so that's a big part of that flow and that trust and working together, really knowing each other and trusting each other to bring our best, whatever that is and whatever well, that situation is.
2: Yeah. And I think that also goes to the group mind idea of, of where I talked about like shrinking my ego because you get pleasure in the success of the group. Not in the individual, you know, accolades or laughter or whatever that might be. And that's certainly the case where, you know, I love those shows where I come off stage and I say, Oh my gosh, Justin, you did so good. I can't thank you so much for setting me up, or you did such a great job, or what a great premise you did. That like set us up so good. And it just feels so good to like be a part of a group that that appreciates that versus sulks that they didn't get to have, you know, the the punchline or the glory. And equate that to a healthcare organization where it's like, Oh, you had such a great idea for that project, or we had such a hard time figuring out that workflow, and you you did that. Thank you so much like i don't I don't care if I didn't come up with it. I care that it right. got done so right that shared that shared mission mhm mm-hmm. yes
0: and that goes back to it reminds me of what you said earlier too, Corey, about <clears throat> about the ego thing that um it's really about who does who does what the patient needs right now and just celebrating the positive Mm -hmm. outcomes of that rather than who did it or ego related. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, we work with healthcare leaders. Uh, We have a, a program called the thriving, resilient, unstoppable, Healthcare leader coaching program, and we help them become more balanced and more resilient. And we noticed that was a focal mm-hmm. point, point in your book as well, you know, that you can actually leverage improv to help with resilience. So can you talk a little bit about that with our listeners?
2: Well, I think that the the broad way of looking at this is is resilience obviously a huge buzzword in healthcare. And yeah. I think resilience uh, and improv are related because if you can believe it, play builds resilience. And improv is is just play. So, it's been shown that when we play, we put ourselves in some of these like safe but uncertain circumstances. It helps to work with the, the our neuroplasticity where our brain actually rewires and is able to handle those those challenging situations when they come up. Now, of course, be, getting on stage for me as an improviser is not as scary as it used to be for for others just doing a little two-person exercise with like a workshop would be absolutely terrifying. But when you're doing that, you are, you're, you are rewiring your brain to deal with the unknown, which is I think one of the things that really gets us in trouble and makes us a little, you know, if we're not resilient, the, the unknown pops up and really knocks us off our feet. I've gotten to a place where I'm not resilient against it. Like, some things can still rattle me, but I just, especially with work, like I walk into a room and, and someone says, I haven't been taking my medicines for three months. Okay, now it's a game, like everything to me becomes a game. It's a game with like, not that I'm playing with people's health, I don't do that. But that interaction becomes a game of of figuring out, you know, what's going on with them, how I can help them, why they were doing this. And so for healthcare leaders, I think that if you're, we focus so much on leadership and doing things to get to the next level. And as adults, one thing we, we don't do is we don't play. And I mean, it doesn't have to be improv. It could be golf. It could be with your dogs, your grandkids, your regular like your kids, whatever it is. I think taking the time away and playing, while it seems like a waste of time relative to like building skills that are real important, you are building skills. You're building your resilience as you're playing. Yeah. And so improv is a form of that play, that role play. And I mean, it could be acting. It could be any number of hobbies. It's, it's the advice my my assistant dean gave me. It was my last rotation, my last day of pharmacy school. I said, tomorrow I have the biggest piece of advice you're going to have for your career. And I was like, all right, six years coming in. And I, and he's like, Corey, find a hobby. I'm like, what? I thought it was going to be some like some deep pharmacological like truth. And he was like, find a hobby. And he was so right. So, you know, whether improv is your hobby, I think that it's, it's a microcosm of that importance of play.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, definitely. Definitely builds resilience, right? It can't be all Mm -hmm. work and no play. (laughs) That's so yeah. true. That's and definitely said, another like, <laughs> another yes and or both and, right? Mm-hmm. Work and play. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep.
2: Yeah. Indeed. And and as I said, it's it's gotten to a place where I don't dread those and I think the the big part, you know, ten years ago I was I would dread the interactions because I never knew what the patient was gonna say. And now I'm just like, oh, what are they gonna say this yeah. time? All right. Yeah. It's, it's that neutral, you know, that neutral position we talk about. We're like, all right, non-judgmental. This is what's going on. Now I can adapt. Let's adapt and, and take care of the problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's such a great point. It is. such a great point. And a lot of our listeners are really primarily healthcare leaders. And, mm-hmm. um, and so what is an improv takeaway that they could start using today?
2: All right. I promise you can do this. So when you go to an improv show, many people will say, you did that scene, Corey, and for five, 10 minutes, you were that character. You knew everything about that character how did you do that? Did you memorize that before the show? And there's no possible way I could memorize every possible outcome in, in character before a show. Because the trick is we say in improv, find the why or find the want. If you know that this person just wants their haircut to be noticed, or they just want a hug, everything they say or do is going to be filtered through that why or want. As a healthcare leader, I think there are so many instances I've been on the the non the being led side where leadership comes in with this idea, or this plan, or this 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 implementation of something. And it is so far beyond what is going to make our lives better, easier, or our patients' lives better, easier. So find the why or the want of the people who you lead. And that will help you filter everything that you need to do and say. Now, that doesn't mean that everything you do is going to directly fix their want or why. But as we talked about with that idea of yes and, you can at least make sure that they're listened to. And I've had great leaders who would acknowledge the reality of like, this thing sucks. What can I do to make, whatever I can do to make it suck less, I will do that because this is not my decision. It was someone above me who said I had to tell you to do that. So, you know, find the why, acknowledge the reality when the reality isn't great. And I think you will go a long way in making sure that your people you lead feel feel seen, heard, and understood, and will want to continue to work for you and do great work for you.
1: Oh, that's great advice that is great
0: that advice. is because they you're, it kind of goes back to what your colleagues said. they really do want to be seen and heard, and it's important to get closest to the work. So that is mm-hmm. an important tip for list, uh, for leaders. so thanks for that. Of course. Okay, so now it's time for the missing questions, Corey. so I know you're going to be on the Uh-oh. edge of your seat
2: <laughs> I will so, have to I will have to improvise on the spot. Oh, Oh, you will.
0: (laughs) You will. So we're going to ask you uh, just three questions. I'm going to ask you the first two, and Tracy's going to ask the wrap-up question. And this is just Mm -hmm. a way for our listeners to get to know more the personal side of Corey. So our first question is, what is your favorite thing about living in Tucson, Arizona? What do you like about it the most?
2: Well, I, I would say that it's the fact that we don't have winter here, you know, but at the, <laughs> this winter, it's like we've had more freezing temperatures and we literally had snow on the ground when I woke up last week. Uh, so, but I think for me, I'm, I was born and raised here. I I'm an outdoorsy person. So the ability to be outside and uh, I'd rather deal with the heat than deal with the cold. So I'm going to go with the trope of, I like Tucson because of the weather uh, and I'm close to, we're close to my family and my wife's family too. So well, I will retroactively put the family first, uh, but that doesn't apply to everybody. So for a broader broader reason of, of coming to Tucson, it would be our, our, our weather.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Okay. Question number two, what is your favorite comedy movie and why?
2: I think my favorite comedy movie would have to be the from 2000, I think it's 2004, Dodgeball. Uh, with Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn, um, numerous reasons why I'm, I'm, I was a, I call myself a triathlete because I tried a lot of sports and wasn't great at them. And so dodgeball was a big part of our part of my childhood. Um, I love Vince Vaughn. He's one of my favorite actors. Like, I don't know if his movie swingers would be considered a comedy that would be like one A. but I just found all the jokes in it to be funny, the physical humor to be funny, like of just such a quotable movie. And it came out when I was like 16, 17 years old. So that's that impressionable time when, when, when media hits you at just the right time that you can just go with your friends and talk about it. So you know, I'm, I'm one of those millennials who've cut the cord, but back in the day, whenever it was on cable, that's, that to me was just a, a must-watch movie because of the, the, fun, the fun side of it, the cameos. Gosh, the, the announcing side of it too, When you know, as they're going through and just the ridiculous characters that you see throughout it. <laughs>
1: Wow. That sounds like a lot of things to be uh, intrigued by. In yes. That movie. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. I, I so if think you haven't I have seen it. You're d- going to
1: want to see it.
2: <laughs> I, or, or not. I, again, I, you know, what you liked at 17, uh, what Corey liked at 17 might not apply to the entire audience, but it's to me, like, I don't, I don't get a lot, watch, watch a lot of movies with, I have a two and a four year old. So the, the time to watch media is limited. So when I do, I don't like watching anything heavy and it's about, as light a lifting as you can get. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) Sometimes that's just what's called for, right. As light as you can get, because we're dealing with some heavy stuff in healthcare anyway. Right. So I certainly can relate to that. Well, for our wrap up question, you know, we, as we've talked about, we teach individuals, leaders around, um, you know, the, all the elements of polarity intelligence that we talked about today in our podcast. And, how to think both and uh, when it's, you know, when it's really appropriate to do so. And, you know, one of the principles of polarities that we know is that we all tend to have a preference pole So when we're looking at something that is an interdependent pair, you know, then um, we kind of always just naturally tend to, you know have this drift towards one pole more than the other for a variety of different mm-hmm. reasons. There's no right or wrong about it. It's just really an awareness thing, right? Like, what do I tend to lean more towards, individual or team, right? So for you, we wanted to ask you, when it comes to this particular polarity, what is your preference poll? And that's teacher and learner. So which teacher. would you prefer? I-
2: teacher like uh, okay i don't want to make it sound like i don't enjoy learning that sound that was too quick on the draw there Uh, no no it's perfect (laughs) uh, teacher i (laughs) what i I think that lifelong, so let me put the caveat, like lifelong learning is important. Like I, I developed a skill of improv in my twenties to thirties. So like it's, and I know that as I go through life, there's going to be a number of other things I'm going to learn. Like we raise chickens, we harvest rainwater, like there's all these other things, but I, I love, I've always loved teaching, uh, whether it was teaching improv, uh, precepting pharmacy students and residents, uh, watching that aha moment happen in others. That is just, I love it. And it's, it's why I do what I do. It's yeah. why I go speak and work with organizations. And the opposite of that polarity is, you know what? Oftentimes I learn as much as I feel like I'm teaching yeah. every yes. time I go yeah. on stage and every time I work with a group. So while I do love the teacher side of it, um, I, I do make sure to stay in that neutral stance to, to make sure I'm also learning along the way as well. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's it's perfect. And it's just good to know, right, what mm-hmm. your preference poll mm-hmm. is. It, and like I said, it's, there's no right or wrong. And oftentimes we recognize the strength of both polls, but we just tend to lean mm-hmm. a little more one way, way. And so that was perfect. That <laughs> was. You know, was a very yeah. gut response, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was good. It came right from your heart. It, was, it did. It's all right. It sure did. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, thank you, Corey. This has been a wonderful conversation and we will be sure to put your, the link to your book in our show notes. Mm-hmm. And um, is there any other place that people can find you if they want to get a hold of you or any recommendations for our listeners?
2: Yeah, I think the great, uh, the best place to start is my website, coreyjanks.com and that's C-O-R-Y. Uh, my parents were cheap, in by the vowel, so no Ian e Corey. A lot of people try to put it in there. Uh, but from there, I think you could like LinkedIn. I love connecting on LinkedIn. That's probably my favorite social media site. Uh, I do have Instagram. Uh, I do have Twitter and Facebook. I try to f- spend as little time on those as possible. Don't take offense <laughs> if you've sent me a message and I haven't got back to you. Um, I also write a thrice weekly newsletter on Substack called Get Through Your Ships. And it's designed for healthcare professionals to have a little... Short knowledge, wisdom and humor three times a week. I did the opposite, write a book. These are, you know, two to three minute reads. So I, I wrote my book and I couldn't stop writing. So I, I discovered I love writing, but yeah, I think that if you go to my website, uh, I really appreciate you offering to share the link to this one, mm-hmm. permission to care, building a healthcare culture yeah. that thrives in chaos. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not doing service to the amazing designer of my cover. hand there. So, and I, I, I think that, you know, I, I love getting messages. I've done many other podcasts and I get messages from people who've heard me and want to connect or go deeper or want me to work with their group. So I, I'm, I, I love doing that. One of my best friends I actually met because he heard me on a podcast. He lives in Cincinnati. So he reached out to me on LinkedIn and now like we talk every week and we go visit each other. It's really cool. That so is cool. It's an amazing world that the world is the world that he yes ended, right? He, he <laughs> yes ended from that podcast and sent me a message. So, um, connect maybe we'll become best friends too. I don't know. Uh, but at the very least I, I would love to continue the conversation if there's something you want to ex- expand upon what you heard, but otherwise, I really appreciate you sharing your, your time with me. And your listeners, um, and uh, I hope to connect again and see you in the future, and connect with some listeners who might have enjoyed this as well.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, we'll stay connected. We, we will stay connected, Definitely. Corey. All right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow, that was another wonderful episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, and our guest Corey. And uh, until we see you next time, stay safe and stay healthy. If you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts Stitcher or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time,